conversation. And for Marsh and Daughter, fingerprints on time, as they called them, were at the top of the list. The cold cases they chose to investigate arose from such fingerprints, caused by the unfinished business of violence or injustice in the past imprinting itself on the atmosphere of a place or building. She and Peter had long since agreed that they shared a nose for fingerprints, but there had been many a false trail when one of them had been convinced of their presence, only for them to fade. Today, Georgia had hoped against hope that Peter was not going to share her reaction to that very mundane flight of steps. After all, she reasoned, they were in Broadstairs on a more important mission than looking for a new case for Martian daughter. Even so, she had to admit, it was relatively unusual for them both to react in the same way at the same time. Although that, Georgia told herself defiantly, making another effort to finish her fish, did not mean it was a valid path to follow. They were both on edge about the coming meeting with Christine Reynolds. Nevertheless, Georgia reluctantly acknowledged that this matter of the outdoor steps had to be settled. Peter cleared his throat. "'You or me?' he inquired. "'Me?' I'll test it again, and then drop a casual remark when I'm paying. Georgia was glad of the excuse to leave the shame of her uncleared plate, and she went outside, ostensibly to the whitewashed annex housing the toilets. She didn't reach it, but stopped short at the instant sense of revulsion. So strong, it felt like an invisible wall. There was no doubt about it. It was those steps that seemed to be crying out to her, and she had to force herself into the toilet, a physical necessity now, before hurrying back inside to rejoin Peter and pay for their meal. She could sense Gary's unspoken disapproval of the insult to his fish, and made haste to explain that she and her father had a difficult task ahead of them, true enough, and it had robbed them of their appetite for his wonderful fish and chips. He looked mollified, and so she decided to ask casually, I know this sounds ridiculous, but is there any history to this house? Broadstairs is such a fascinating town, and this seems to be a very old building and full of atmosphere. The words sounded gushing even to her. But the town was indeed attractive and atmospheric, peppered with associations with Charles Dickens, whose favourite resort it had been. Basically, she thought, the town could vary little from what it had been like in its Victorian heyday, and in today's May sunshine it was easy to conjure up the past. She could hardly have asked Gary straight out about the repellent atmosphere outside. Ten to one, most people walked past the steps without a sniff of anything awry. Nevertheless, he had got the message from her comments. His face changed, not to anger, but to something akin to despair. "'You've seen the ghost, haven't you?' "'Ghost? Murderer lived upstairs once. "'And now he blooming well comes back and haunts the place.' "'When was this?' she asked faintly. "'No idea. It was years ago. "'Why does he want to keep coming back? That's what I want to know. "'A man's got a living to make.' By years ago? Did he mean three hundred years or nearer three, she wondered? 
Was it clad in doublet and hose or flower-power gear? Have you seen the ghost yourself? she asked. She and Peter were wary of claims about ghosts. Headless horsemen and the like were not part of their approach to their work, even though she realised that many so-called ghosts might, in fact, be what they called fingerprints rather than wailing phantoms. Well, no. Nor has anyone, so far as I know. But he's there, all right. Heard him stalking up and down the steps and thumping over the floorboards. And a mate of mine heard him crying one night. Who was the murderer? Some clam or other. I've only been here a year or two. She gave up. She wasn't going to get any further with him. And there can't have been much local sympathy for this killer. Or Gary would have been...